Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Stonehenge is a prehistoric monument located in Wiltshire, England, about two miles or three kilometers west of Amesbury, and eight miles or 13 kilometers north of Salisbury. One of the most famous sites in the world, Stonehenge is the remains of a ring of standing stones set within earthworks. It is the middle of the most dense complex of Neolithic and Bronze Age monuments in England, including several hundred burial mounds. Archaeologists believe that it was built anywhere from 3000 BC to 2000 BC. Radiocarbon dating in the year 2008 suggested that the first stones were raised between 2400 and 2200 BC, while another theory suggests that the blue stones may have been raised at the site as early as 3000 BC. The surrounding circular earth bank and ditch, which constitutes the earliest phase of the monument, have been dated to about 3100 BC. The site and its surroundings were added to the UNESCO list of World Heritage Sites in 1986 in a co-listing with Avebury Henge, It is a nationally, legally protected, scheduled ancient monument. Stonehenge is owned by the Crown and managed by the English Heritage, while surrounding land is owned by the National Trust. Archaeological evidence found by the Stonehenge River Project in 2008 
indicates that Stonehenge could have been a burial ground from its earliest beginnings. The dating of cremated remains found on the site indicate that deposits contain human bone from as early as 3000 BC, when the ditch and bank were first dug. Such deposits continued at Stonehenge for at least another 500 years. The Henge portion has given its name to a class of monument known as Henges. Archaeologists define Henges as earthworks consisting of a circular banked enclosure with an internal ditch. As often happens in archaeological terminology, this is a holdover from antiquarian use, and Stonehenge is not truly a henge site at its bank is inside its ditch. Despite, despite being contemporary with true Neolithic henges and stone circles, Stonehenge is in many ways atypical. For example, at more than 7.3 meters or 24 feet tall, its standing trilithons supporting lentils held in place with morts and tenon joints make it unique. The Stonehenge Riverside project based in Durrington Walls noted that Stonehenge appears to have been associated with burial from the earliest period of existence. Stonehenge was a place of burial from its beginning to its zenith, and in the mid-3rd millennium B.C. The cremation burial dating to Stonehenge's sarsen stones phase is likely just one of many from the later period of the monument's use and demonstrates that it was still very much a domain of the dead. Stonehenge evolved in several construction phases spanning at least 1,500 years. There is evidence that large-scale construction on and around the monument that perhaps extends the landscape time frame to 6,500 years. Dating and understanding the various phases of activity is complicated by disturbances of the natural chalk by paraglacial effects and animal burrowing, poor quality early excavation records, and lack of accurate scientifically verified dates. The modern phasing most generally agreed to by archaeologists. Archaeologists have found four, or possibly five, large Mesolithic post holes they say maybe five because one may have been a natural tree throw, which date to the year around 8,000 BC, beneath the nearby modern tourist parking lot. These held pine posts around three quarters of a meter or two feet six inches in diameter, which were erected and eventually rotted in, in position. 
three of the posts, and possibly four, were in an east-west alignment, which may have had ritual significance. No parallels are known from Britain at the time, but similar sites have been found in Scandinavia. Salisbury Plain was then still wooded, but 4,000 years later, during the early Neolithic people, built a causewayed enclosure at Robin Hood's Ball and long, barrow tombs in the surrounding landscape. In approximately 3500 B.C., a Stonehenge cuirass was built 700 meters or 2300 feet north of the site as the first farmers began to clear the trees and develop the area. A number of other adjacent stone and wooden structures and burial mounds previously overlooked may date back as far as 4000 B.C. Charcoal from the Blickmead camp, 1.5 miles from Stonehenge, has been dated to around 4000 B.C. Now on to the different eras of Stonehenge. The first era is Stonehenge One, which was 3100 B.C. The first monument consisted of a circular bank and ditch enclosure made of late Cretaceous Seaford chalk, measuring about 110 meters or 360 feet in diameter with a large entrance to the north, east, and a smaller one to the south. It stood in open grassland on a slightly sloping spot. The builders placed the bones of deer and oxen in the bottom of the ditch, as well as some worked flint tools. The bones were considerably older than the antler picks used to dig the ditch, and the people who buried them had looked after them for some time prior to the burial. The ditch was continuous, but had been dug in sections, like the ditches of earlier caused wade enclosures in the area. The chalk dug from the ditch was piled up to form the bank. This first stage is dated to around 3100 B.C., after which the ditch began to silt up naturally. Within the outer edge of the enclosed area's circle of 56 pits, each about a meter or three feet in diameter, known as the Aubrey Holes, after John Aubrey, the 17th century antiquarian, who was thought to have first identified them. The pits may have continued standing timbers, creating a timber circle, although there is no excavated evidence of them. A recent excavation has suggested that the Aubrey holes may have originally been used to erect a bluestone circle. If this were the case, it would advance the earliest known stone structure at the monument by some 500 years. A smaller outer bank beyond the ditch could also date to this period. In the year 2013, a team of archaeologists 
excavated more than 50,000 cremated bones of 63 individuals buried at Stonehenge. These remains had originally been buried individually in the Aubrey Holes, exhumed during a previous excavation conducted by William Hawley in 1920, been considered unimportant by him, and subsequently reinterred together in one hole. Aubrey Hole number 7 in the year 1935. Physical and chemical analysis of the remains has shown that the cremated were almost equally men and women and included some children as there was evidence of their underlying chalk beneath the graves being crushed by substantial weight, the team concluded that the first bluestones were brought from Wales were probably used as grave markers. Radiocarbon dating of the remains has put the date of the site 500 years earlier than previously estimated to around 3000 B.C., Analysis of animal teeth found at nearby Durrington Walls, thought to be the builder's camp, suggests that as many as 4,000 people gathered at the site for the midwinter and midsummer festivals. The evidence showed that the animals had been slaughtered around nine months or 15 months after their spring birth. Stronium isotope analysis of the animal's teeth showed that some had traveled from a far field as the Scottish Highlands for the celebration. The next era is known as Stonehenge II, and that was around the year 3000 BC. Evidence of the second phase is no longer visible. The number of post holes dating to the early 3rd millennium BC suggests that some form of timber structure was built within the enclosure during this period. Further standing timbers were placed at the northeast entrance, and a parallel alignment of posts ran inwards from the southern entrance. The post holes are similar and smaller than the Aubrey holes, being only around half a meter or 16 inches in diameter, and are much less regularly spaced. The bank was purposely reduced in height and the ditch continued to silt up. At least 25 of the Aubrey holes are known to have contained later intrusive cremation burials dating to the two centuries after the monument's inception. It seems that whatever the hole's initial function, it changed to become a funerary one during phase two. 30 further cremations were placed in the enclosure's ditch and at other points within the monument, mostly in the eastern half. Stonehenge is therefore interpreted as a functioning as an enclosed cremation ceremony at this time, during Phase 2, the earliest known cremation cemetery in the British Isles. Fragments of unburnt human bone 
have been found in the ditch fell. Dating evidence is provided by the late Neolithic grooved ware pottery that has been found in connection with the features from this phase. Stonehenge Phase 3, Period 1, is from around the year 2600 B.C. Archaeological excavation has indicated that around 2600 B.C., the builders abandoned timber in favor of stone and dug two concentric arrays of holes, known as the Q and R holes, in the center of the site. These stone sockets are only partially known. Hence, on present evidence, are sometimes described as forming crescents. However, they could be the remains of a double ring. Again, there is little firm dating evidence for this phase. The holes held up to 80 standing stones only 43 of which can be traced today. The blue stones, some of which were made by dolerite and igneous rock, were thought for much of the 20th century to have been transported by humans from the Priscelli Hills, an astounding 150 miles or 240 kilometers away in modern-day Pembrokeshire in Wales. Another theory that has recently gained support is that they were brought much nearer to the site as glacial erratics by the Irish Sea Glacier. Other standing stones will have been small sarsens or limestones used later as lintels. The stones, which weighed about four tons, consisted mostly of spotted or Doviokin dolerite, but included examples of rhyolite, tuft, and volcanic and calcareous ash. In total, around 20 different rock types are represented. Each monolith measures around 2 meters or 6.6 feet in height, between 1 meter and a meter and a half or 3 to 5 meters feet wide, and around an eighth of a meter or 2.5 feet thick. What was to become known as the altar stone is almost certainly derived from either Carmenshire or the Brecon Beacons and may have stood as a single large monolith. The northeastern entrance was widened at this time with the result that it precisely matched the direction of the midsummer sunrise and midwinter sunset of the period. This phase of the monument was abandoned unfinished, however. The small standing stones were apparently removed and the Q and R holes purposely backfilled. Even so, the monument appears to have ellipsed the site at Avebury in importance towards the end of this phase. 
The heel stone, which is a tertiary standstone, may have also have been erected outside the northeastern entrance during this period. It cannot be accurately dated and may have been installed at any time during phase three. At first, it was accompanied by, by a second stone, which is no longer visible. Two or possibly three large portal stones were set up just inside the northeastern entrance, of which only one, the fallen slaughter stone, at 4.9 meters or 16 feet long, now remains. Other features loosely dated to phase three include the four station stones, two of which stood atop mounds, and mounds that are known as barrows, although they do not contain burials. Stonehenge Avenue, a parallel pair of ditches and banks leading two miles or three kilometers to the River Avion, was also added at this time. Two ditches, similar to Heelstone Ditch, encircling the Heelstone, which was then, by then, reduced to a single monolith, were later dug around the station stones. The next phase is Stonehenge Phase 3, Period 2, from the year 2600 B.C., to the year 2400 B.C. During this next major phase of activity, 30 enormous Miocene Sarsen stones were brought to the site. They may have come from a quarry around 25 miles or 40 kilometers north of Stonehenge on the Marlborough Downs or they may have been collected from a litter of sarsen on the chalk downs closer to hand. The stones were dressed in fashion with mortise and tenon joints before 30 were erected as a 33-meter or 108-foot diameter circle of standing stones with a ring of 30 lintel stones resting on top. The lintels were fitted to one another using another woodworking method, the tongue and groove joint. Each standing stone was about 4.1 meters, or 13 feet high, 2.1 meters, or 7 feet wide, and weighed around 25 tons. Each had clearly been worked with the final visual effect in mind, the orthostats widened slightly towards the top in order that their perspective remains constant when viewed from the ground, while the lintel stones curved slightly to continue the circular appearance of the earlier monument. The inward-facing surfaces of the stones are smoother and more finely worked than the outer surfaces. The average thickness of the stones is 1.1 meters, or 3 feet 7 inches, and the average distance between them is 1 meter, or 3 feet 3 inches. A total of 75 stones would have been needed to complete the circular stones 
and the Trilithon Horseshoe. It was thought that the ring might have been left incomplete, but an exceptionally dry summer in the year 2013 revealed patches of parched grass which may correspond to the location of removed sarsens. The lintel stones, which are on top, are each around 3.2 meters or 10 feet wide, 1 meter or 3.3 inches thick, and 1 meter or 2 foot 7 inches tall. The tops of the lintels are 5 meters or 16 feet above the ground. Within this circle stood five trilithons of dressed sarsen stone arranged in a horseshoe shape 14 meters or 45 feet across with its open end facing northeast. These huge stones, ten uprights and five lintels weighed up to 50 tons each. How did they move these things? They were linked using complex joining they are arranged symmetrically. The smaller pair of trilithons were around 6 meters or 20 feet tall. The next pair a little higher, and the largest single trilithon in the southwest corner would have been 7.3 meters or 24 feet tall. Only one upright from the great trilithon still stands of which 6.7 meters or 22 feet is visible and a further 2.4 meters or 7 feet 10 inches is buried below ground. The edges of a dagger and 14 axe heads have been carved on one of the sarsens known as stone 53. Further carvings of the axe heads have been seen on the outer faces of stones 3, 4, and 5. The carvings are difficult to date, but are morphological similar to late Bronze Age weapons. Recent laser scanning work on the carvings supports this interpretation. The pair of trilithons on the northeast are smallest, measuring around 6 meters or 20 feet in height the largest, which is on the southwest of the horseshoe, is almost seven and a half meters or 25 feet tall. This, the most ambitious phase, has been radiocarbon dated to between 2600 and 2400 BC, slightly earlier than Stonehenge Archer, discovered in the outer ditch of the monument in 1978 and the two sets of burials known as the Amsbury Archer and the Boscombe Bowman discovered three miles or five kilometers to the west. At about the same time, a large timber circle and a second avenue were constructed two miles or three kilometers away at Durrington Walls, overlooking the River Avon. The timber circle was oriented towards the rising sun on the midwinter solstice, opposing the solar alignments at Stonehenge, 
while the avenue was aligned with the setting sun on the summer solstice and led from the river to the timber circles. Evidence of huge fires on the banks of the Avon between the two avenues also suggests that both circles were linked and they were perhaps used as a procession route on the longest and shortest days of the year. Parker researchers speculate that the wooden circles at Durrington Walls was the center of a land of the living, while the stone circle represented the land of the dead, with Avon serving as a journey between the two. The next phase of Stonehenge is Stonehenge Phase 3, Period 3, from the year 2400 B.C. to 2280 B.C. Later in the Bronze Age, although the exact details of activities during this period are still unclear, the bluestones appear to be re-erected. They were placed within the outer Saracen Circle and may have been trimmed in some way. Like the Sarsens, a few have timber-working style cuts in them, suggesting that during this phase, they may have been linked with lintels and were part of a larger structure. Stonehenge, phase 3, period 4, from 2280 B.C. to 1930 B.C., this phase saw further rearrangement of the bluestones. They were arranged in a circle between the two rings of Saracens and in an oval at the center inner ring. Some archaeologists argue that some of these bluestones were from a second group brought from Wales. All the stones formed well-spaced uprights without any of the linking lintels interfering in Stonehenge Phase 3, period 3. The altar stone may have been moved within the oval at this time and re-erected vertically. Although this would seem the most impressive phase of the work, Stonehenge Phase 3, period 4 was rather shabbily built compared to its immediate predecessor as the newly installed bluestones were not well-founded and began to fall over. However, only minor changes were made after this phase. Next comes Stonehenge period, phase three, period five, from 1930 BC to 1600 BC. Soon afterwards, the northeastern section of the phase three, period four bluestone circles was removed creating a horseshoe-shaped setting known as the Bluestone Horseshoe, which mirrored the shape of the central Sarsian trilithons. This phase is contemporary with the Seahenge site in Norfolk. The Y and C holes are the last known construction at Stonehenge, built around the year 1600 B.C., and the last usage, it was probably during the Iron Age. Roman coins and medieval artifacts have all been found in 
or around the monument, but it is unknown if the monument was in continuous use throughout British prehistory and beyond, or exactly how it would have been used. Notable is the massive Iron Age Hillfort Vespian camp built alongside the avenue near Avon. A decapitated 7th century Saxon man was excavated from Stonehenge in 1923. The site was known to scholars during the Middle Ages and since then has been studied and adapted by numerous other groups. Stonehenge was proudly produced by a culture that left no written records. Many aspects of Stonehenge remain subject to debate. A number of myths surround the stones. There is little or no direct evidence for the construction techniques used by the Stonehenge builders. Over the years, various authors have suggested that supernatural or anachrestic methods were used, usually asserting that the stones were impossible to move otherwise. However, conventional techniques using Neolithic technology as basic as shear legs have been demonstrably effective at moving and placing stones of a similar size. Proposed functions for the site include uses as an astronomical observatory or a religious site. More recently, two major new theories have been proposed. One has suggested that Stonehenge was a place of healing, the primeval equivalent of Lords. They argue that this accounts for the high number of burials in the area and for the evidence of trauma deformity in some of the graves. However, they do not concede that the site was probably multifunctional and used for ancestor worship as well. Isotope analysis indicates that some of the buried individuals were from other regions. A teenage boy buried approximately 1550 BC was raised near the Mediterranean Sea. A metal worker from the year 2300 BC dubbed the Amsbury Archer, grew up near the Alpine foothills of Germany, and the Boscombe Bowman probably arrived from Wales or Brittany, France. On the other hand, some have suggested that Stonehenge was part of a ritual landscape and was joined to Durangeton Walls by their corresponding avenues in River Avon. They suggest that the area around Durrington Walls Henge was a place of living, whilst Stonehenge was a domain of the dead. A journey along the Avon to reach Stonehenge was part of a ritual passage from life to death to celebrate past ancestors and the recently deceased. Both explanations were first spoken about in the 12th century A.D. by Geoffrey of Monumouth, who extolled the 
curative properties of the stone and was also the first to advance the idea that Stonehenge was constructed as a funerary monument. Whatever religions, mystical or spiritual elements were central to Stonehenge, its design includes a celestial observatory function, which might have allowed prediction of eclipses, solstice, equinox, and other celestial events important to a contemporary religion. There are other hypotheses and theories. Some say that Stonehenge may have been built as a symbol of peace and unity, indicative in a part by fact that at the time of its construction, Britain's Neolithic people were experiencing a period of cultural unification. Another idea has to do with the quality of the stones themselves. Researchers at the Royal College of Art in London have discovered that some of the monument stones possess unusual acoustic properties. When they are struck, they respond with a loud clanging noise. This idea could explain why certain bluestones were hauled nearly 200 miles, a major technical accomplishment at the time. In certain ancient cultures, Rocks that ring out, known as lithophones, were believed to contain mystic or healing powers, and Stonehenge has a history of association with rituals. The presence of these ringing rocks seemed to support the hypothesis that Stonehenge was a place for healing. It had been pointed out by archaeologists who consulted with other researchers Some of the stones at Stonehenge were brought from near a town in Wales called Mayenclonicog, a name which means ringing rock. The Heel Stone lies northeast of the Sarsen Sturkel, besides the end portion of the Stonehenge Avenue. It is a rough stone, which is 16 feet above ground, or 5 meters, leaning inwards towards the stone circle. It has been known by many names in the past, including Friar's Heel and Sunstone. Today is uniformly referred to as the Heel Stone. At summer solstice, an observer standing within the stone circle looking northeast through the entrance, would see the sun rise above the heel stone. Interestingly enough, there is a surviving folk tale which cannot be dated earlier than the 17th century, relates to the origin of the Friar's Heel reference. And it goes like this. The devil bought the stones from a woman in Ireland, wrapped them up, and brought them to Salisbury Plain. One of the stones fell into the Avon, and the rest were carried to the plain. The devil cried out, No one will ever find out how these stones came here. A friar replied, That's what you think, whereupon the devil threw one of the stones at him and struck him on the heel. The stone stuck in the ground and is still there. 
In the 12th century, Geoffrey of Monymouth included a fanciful story in his work, Historia Regum Britannia, that attributed the monument's construction to Merlin. Geoffrey's story spread widely, appearing in more than less elaborate forms in adaptations of his work such as Wakes Norman's French Roman de la Brute, Middle English Brute, and Welsh Brute e Brainhold. According to Geoffrey, the rocks of Stonehenge were healing rocks called the Giant's Dance, which giants had brought from Africa to Ireland for their healing properties. The 5th century King Aurelius Ambrosius wished to erect a memorial to the 3,000 nobles slain in battle against the Saxons and buried at Salisbury. And Merlin's advice chose Stonehenge. The king sent Merlin, Uther Pendragon, who is Arthur's father, and 15,000 knights to remove it from Ireland, where it had been constructed on Mount Kilaras by the giants. They slew 7,000 Irish, but the knights tried to move the rocks with ropes and forces they failed. Then Merlin, using gear and skill, easily dismantled the stones and sent them over to Britain, where Stonehenge was dedicated. After it had been rebuilt near Amsbury, Geoffrey Rath further narrates how first Ambrosius Aurelius, then Uther Pendragon, and finally Constantine III were buried inside the giant rings of Stonehenge, as well as the Historia Regum Britannia. There is place name evidence to connect Ambrosius with nearby Amsbury. Another legend of Saxon and Britons in 472, the invading king Hengist invited Bryothonic warriors to a feast, but treacherously ordered his men to draw their weapons from concealment and fall upon the guests, killing 420 of them. Hengist erected the stone monument, which is Stonehenge, on the site to show his remorse for his deed. Well, enough for legend. Let's talk about what is happening currently. From the 16th century to the present, Stonehenge has changed ownership several times since King Henry VIII acquired Amsbury Abbey and its surrounding lands. In 1540, Henry gave the estate to the Earl of Hertford, it subsequently passed to Lord Carlton and then to the Marcus of Queensbury. Yes, the Marcus of Queensbury. The Anarpus family of Cheshire brought the, bought the estate in 1824 during World War I. An aerodrome, Royal Flying Corps No. 1 School of Aerial Navigation and Bomb Dropping, was built on the downs just to the west of the circle and in the dry valley at Stonehenge Bottom. A main road junction was built along with several cottages and a cafe. The Antrobus family sold the site after their last hare was killed in, in, a, in the fight in France. The auction by Knight Frank and Rootley 
estate agents in Salisbury was held on September 21, 1915, and included lot number 15. Stonehenge, with about 30 acres, two rods, 37 perches of adjoining downland. Cecil Chubb bought the site for 6,600 pounds and gave it to the nation three years later. Although it had been speculated that he had purchased it at the suggestion, or even as a present for his wife, in fact, he bought it on a whim, as he believed a local man should be the new owner. In the late 1920s, a nationwide appeal was launched to save Stonehenge from the encroachment of modern buildings that begun to rise around it. By 1928, the land around the monument had been purchased with the appeal donations and given to the National Trust to preserve. The buildings were removed, although the roads were not, and the land returned to agriculture. More recently, the land has been part of a grassland reversion scheme, returning the surrounding fields to native chalk grasslands. Throughout the 20th century, Stonehenge began to be revived as a place of religious significance, this time by adherents of neo-pagan and New Age beliefs, particularly the neo-Druids. Historians would later remark that it was great and potentially uncomfortable irony that modern Druids had arrived at Stonehenge just as archaeologists were evicting the ancient Druids from it. The first such neo-Druidic group to make use of the megalithic monument was the ancient order of Druids, who performed a mass initiation ceremony there in August 1905, in which they admitted 259 new members into their organization. This assembly was largely ridiculed in the press, who mocked the fact that the neo-Druids were dressed up in costumes consisting of white robes and fake beards. Between 1972 and 1984, Stonehenge was the site of Stonehenge Free Festival. After the Battle of Beanfield in 1985, this use of the site was stopped for several years and ritual use of Stonehenge is now heavily restricted. Some Druids have arranged an assembly of monuments styled on Stonehenge in other parts of the world. When Stonehenge was first opened to the public, it was possible to walk among and even climb on the stones, but the stones were roped off in 1977 as a result of serious erosion. Visitors are no longer permitted to touch the stones, but are able to walk around the monument from a short distance away. English heritage does, however, permit access during the summer and winter solstice and the spring and autumn equinox. Additionally, visitors can make special bookings to access the stones throughout the year. The access situation proximity of the two roads has drawn widespread criticism, highlighted by a 2006 National Geographic survey. In the survey of conditions at 94 leading World Heritage Sites, 400 conservation and tourism experts 
ranked Stonehead 75th in the list of destinations, declaring it to be in moderate trouble. As motorized traffic increased, the setting of the monument began to be affected by the proximity of the two roads on either side. The A344 to Shruton on the north side and the A303 to Winterbourne Stroke on the south. Plans to upgrade the A303 and close the A344 to restore the vista from the stones have been considered since the monument became a World Heritage Site. However, the controversy surrounding the expansive rerouting of the roads has led to the scheme being canceled on multiple occasions. On December 6, 2007, it was announced that extensive plans to build Stonehenge Road Tunnel under the landscape and create a permanent visitor center had been canceled. On May 13, 2009, the government gave approval for a £25 million scheme to create a smaller visitor center and close the A34-344. Although this was dependent on funding and local authority planning consent, on January 20, 2010, Wiltshire Council granted planning permission for a center 2.4 kilometers or one and a half miles to the west and English Heritage confirmed that the funds it to build it would be available supported by a 10 million pound grant from the Heritage Lottery Fund. On June 23, 2013, the A344 was closed to begin the work of removing the section of road and replacing with grass. The center is now open to the public as of December 18, 2013. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.